Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. God's truth just has a way of unsettling people. Whenever you speak it to somebody, sometimes they're just not going to like it. And in this case, that was absolutely the case. Now, some of that was Joseph's fault. He was way too arrogant. He was completely unaware of who, what it was he was saying and how he was saying it. And he could have gone about it a totally different way, but he didn't. And so he said, here comes that dreamer. Let's kill him and throw him in the cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. In other words, we're gonna kill him and there's no way that dream's gonna come to pass. We're gonna kill him and we're not bowing down to him ever. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Throughout history, people have longed to understand what God's will is for their life. We often struggle with difficult questions and decisions related to our families, careers, our hopes and dreams, and our futures. Sometimes when faced with challenges and hardships in life, our faith can be tested and it becomes hard to understand what God wants us to do. Fortunately for us, the Bible offers many great lessons and encouragement to help us through these difficult times. One great example can be found in the life of Joseph. In this sermon series, we'll be examining the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis to uncover the main theme of God's faithfulness even when life doesn't go our way. Please enjoy the message. One of my favorite artists is a man named Phil Hansen. And I say that like I have a lot of artists that I like and I don't. It's just like... You know, he's a guy that I like because he has the same name as me. But Phil Hansen, he was a man who coming up uh, as he was younger, he wanted to be an, a bit of an expert in what's known as pointillism. And it's just this uh, style of painting in which you essentially paint a picture with a point. So I have a picture here of sand dunes that you can look at. And that, that picture is created through pointillism or just through various points that, that somebody is making on a canvas. There is a picture that is created. It's, a, it's, it's an incredible uh, form of art. But unfortunately for Phil, and he has, a, he has a TED Talk that explains a bit of his journey. It's called, uh, the TED Talk is called uh, embracing, um, embracing the Shake. And that comes from this unfortunate news that he, he came to find as a, as a shake began to uh, develop in his hand. And he went to a variety of different doctors, ultimately even to a neurologist. And they all told him the same thing. There's nothing that we can do about your shake. And the neurologist said that phrase. They said, he said, the only choice you have is to really embrace the shake. And here was Phil Hansen. He had this dream. He had this vision of where his life was going to go, of this famous artist that he was going to become as he was going to practice pointillism. But you cannot do that style of art if you have a shake. And so as he was processing this, a bit discouraged, he was sitting at a table one day. And as he was sitting at this table he was getting in touch with this leadership concept that he had learned. And, and the concept is simply this, and I'll tell it to our staff, uh, they, uh, probably to the point of nauseam to them, but limitation is actually the, the bed, the seed bed of innovation. That limitation is something that fosters creativity. That some of the greatest things that have ever been created are often created out of a space of limitation, not a space of abundance. And so, therefore, no, you cannot have more money, but go be creative. That, that's, that's the idea. So he's sitting at this table, and there's a banana there and a pen, and he says to himself, I wonder what I can create out of this. And with that, he created a picture of David, or not David, but Adam, reaching out his finger and trying to touch the finger of God, just like this picture that we have here. 
from a banana and a pin. He created that. And so he cre- began to create a variety of different artwork through various means as he embraced the shake, as he began to work through the devastation of his dream not being fulfilled. But instead, what he finds is his dream became more fulfilled. He became more famous. And one of his more popular pieces of work, and certainly one of the ones that I love, is a piece of artwork that he created of Bruce Lee. And Bruce Lee, as we all know, is the Kung Fu master. And so with that in mind, Phil Hansen dipped his hand in some black paint, got a canvas, and began to karate chop on the canvas. And with each chop, he created a picture of the Kung Fu master, Bruce Lee. But it's an interesting story, isn't it? The idea that he would just embrace this, this devastation, this destruction, this failing of his dream to come to pass in his life. And that's a bit of the challenge that we are going to try to grab a hold of today in this journey that we're going on through the story of Joseph. Because you for sure are experiencing that in some form of your life. And it may be in small ways and it may be in big ways right now for you. I mean, we have them in our ways in our life, in which you have a dream, you have a vision, you have a thing that you are aspiring to. Sometimes it's great and sometimes it's small, but we have these things. And then there's this point of tension in our lives in which that is not happening. And the truth be told, it's not going to happen the way that we thought that it would, the way that we envisioned it, it happening. And we have a dream. And we talked about that last week with Joseph. Joseph had a dream. But what we're going to talk about today is that Joseph's dream, well, it's going to take a bit of a detour. And what do you do with the detours of life? The detour of life, like when the marriage isn't what you thought it would be, your kids are not as far, as long, far along as you hoped they would be, the career hasn't played out the way that you wanted it to be, your finances are definitely, oh man, they are not as far along as you hoped that they would be. Or maybe it's even small things. Like a small thing like what we're sorting out right now in our family and we're we're dealing with a dynamic with one of the coaches uh, that that is coaching up my kid and and we're trying to sort this out and figure out how to best handle that situation because, you know, I mean, we're reasonable people and my wife and I have both taught and coached a lot of youth sports, but it just seems like this is a scenario that, hey, we had a vision and it's a small thing, but... If we don't handle it right, this detour that we are on could end up being a little bit ugly. I don't ever remember getting benched when I was little. But if a coach isn't saying nice things, I can remember some things that were said to me that that I'll never forget. And so we're trying to navigate through that. And that's hard stuff. And it's a matter of what are we going to do with that? You've got your thing. I've got my thing. And as we'll find, Joseph, well, man... He had his thing too. And so we're going to pick up in Genesis, Genesis chapter 37, and we'll start reading in verse 12. And it's a, I'll give you a little bit of a backstory here if you, if you weren't with us last week. And so what's happened is that we've come upon Joseph now, and he's the son of Jacob, and Jacob is a man who had four wives, and he had, and he had one of which that was his favorite. And as we said, if you have a favorite wife, that is a problem, okay? I don't understand how these men in these days were marrying multiple women. I mean, set the sin aside. It is just so impractical to do something like that. <laughs> it just makes zero sense to me. 
But the Lord in no way condoned polygamy in the scriptures. And so Jacob was living out of sin and that sin created a huge mess in his family. But God's will is greater than our mess. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope that this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we'd love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. Do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed at a local church. Because it's here that we met Jesus and he changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We would love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. And again, those Sunday service times are at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. Now let's get back to our program. And that brings us into verse 12, as Joseph is the favorite son of Jacob. Unfortunately, there's 10 other brothers that absolutely hate him. And so we come to this point. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel, being Jacob, said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near... Sorry, let me turn the page here. Near Shechem, come, I'm going to send you to them. And he said, very well. Now, the other thing that you got to know about Joseph is that he has been given this coat. And it wasn't just any old coat. It was a coat of many colors. It was a kind of coat that was really, in the Hebrew, it was a, cult of, it was a coat of royalty. It had long sleeves to it. it. It went all the way to the ground. It was the kind of coat that you wore when you weren't going to do any work. It's the kind of coat that you wore when you wanted everyone to look at you. And Joseph loved that coat, and he wore it a lot. As a matter of fact, he's wearing it right now as he goes along this journey to meet his brothers. So he goes, and he comes upon this man that, he, that tells him that his brothers have moved on to this other place uh, called Dothan, which is quite a, bit, quite a ways away. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan, which was another 60 miles. So, I mean, he's gone. He's been on quite a hike to find these guys. But they saw him in the distance. And how did they see him in the distance? Well, they saw him because he's wearing that coat, that coat of many colors. It was just that thing that was... Uh, antagonizing them and reminding them of the fact that they're working and he's not, but he's coming to check on them, which is probably why they went to Dothan because they didn't want him to find them doing, probably not doing what they were supposed to be doing. But they saw him in the distance and before he'd reached them, they plotted to kill him. Now catch this. They aren't going to try to kill him because of his coat. Here comes that dreamer. Because there was a dream that God gave him. It was a truth that God gave him, a reality that was going to come to pass. And it was of them bowing and him standing. And, and Jake, or Jacob had no one, I, he didn't understand it at all. And he's mad, at his, he's mad at Joseph about it. Joseph's brothers are mad at him about this dream. 
But there's this seemingly this part of all of them that knew that it was true. Because God's truth just has a way of unsettling people. Whenever you speak it to somebody, sometimes they're just not going to like it. And in this case, that was absolutely the case. Now, some of that was Joseph's fault. He was way too arrogant. He was completely unaware of who, what it was he was saying and how he was saying it. And he could have gone about it a totally different way, but he didn't. And so they said, here comes that dreamer. Let's kill him and throw him in the cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. In other words, we're going to kill him and there's no way that dream's going to come to pass. We're going to kill him and we're not bowing down to him ever. When Reuben heard this, though, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life. Don't shed any blood. Throw him in the cisterns here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. And Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. Now, Reuben, if you read in previous chapters, is actually on bad terms with his father. And they are insanely, insanely dysfunctional because Reuben had slept with a concubine. And then you look at chapter 38. It's even more crazy. And I'll explain that next week. Uh, just to a certain extent. I'm not getting into all the detail of it, but these are, this is an incredibly dysfunctional family. So Reuben really is just looking out for himself because he wants to get back on good terms with his father, jo- his father Jacob about Joseph. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate, ornate robe he was wearing because he wore it everywhere. And they took him and threw him into the cistern. And the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover, cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother. Our own flesh and blood is in his brothers. Agreed. And so once again, it seems like Judah is a little bit redeemable in this, but the truth is, is that he's not. He just wants to get something out of it. He's like, what are we going to gain if we kill the guy? Nothing. Let's sell him. Let's sell him and see if we can't get something out of this whole thing. Let's sell him and try to get a little bit of money for that. Now, we know now that this is actually all foreshadowing of what was going to happen with Jesus. And Jesus wasn't sold for 20 pieces of silver. He sold for 30. And this is all a foreshadowing of how salvation was going to come. And it was by the selling of Jesus and the same way by the selling of Joseph that these people, that people like us even one day, would be saved. And so Judas said all of this to his brothers And so when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up from the cistern. He thought he was going to be okay, but then he quickly found out he wasn't. They sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. And when, when Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. Why? Because his brother's gone? No. He went back to his brothers and said, the boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? Because he's just worried about himself. That was his last hope to get on the good terms with his father. Then they got Joseph's robe. They slaughtered a goat. They dipped the robe in blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, we found this. Examine it. See, see whether it's your son's robe. He recognized it. And he said, it is my son's robe indeed. A ferocious animal has devoured him. And Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. And meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph to Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain, the captain of the guard. His brothers, I mean, how bad do you have to hate somebody to do something like that to them? How bad do you have to hate somebody? How off in your mind do you have to hate somebody to be willing to do that to your own brother? It's unimaginable. And here was, here was Joseph. He had this dream 
And all of a sudden, the dream becomes a nightmare. He had a vision, but it didn't seem like it was going to come to pass. And so what do you do with that? Where does that take you? What do you do with these detours of life that we deal with? There's an interesting thing about detours, I'll tell you. They're a bit... They're a bit challenging for us. They're hard to understand exactly. But here's the thing. Detours are this. They're always unexpected. He didn't expect that. It's, it's the boss that calls you into his office and said, hey, there's going to be some layoffs. And your position isn't going to exist anymore. It's the doctor's visit that you expect to be quick, that becomes long. Because now they're not talking about your glucose. They're talking about cancer. It's that unexpected phone call in the middle of the night because you thought your kid was gonna make it home and then they didn't. We don't, those unexpected things are difficult. And Joseph is dealing with this unexpectedness of, of his brothers just betraying him. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. I hope that this message has been an encouragement to you. I know that it has been to others. You see, it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. If you'd like to become a partner of ours, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website at valleyviewcc.com. It's there that you can click on the Give tab, and then you can designate your gift to go to the Hope for the Day ministry. And we would love it if you would partner with us in this way, and I know many others would as well. If you are in the Denver metropolitan area, We wouldn't want you to just be a supporter of ours. We want you to attend one of our services in person to be a part of the experience that we have here at Valley View Christian Church. We offer three service times on Sunday at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And it's at each one of these services that we record the messages that you hear here on Hope for the Day. Now let's get back to today's broadcast. The other thing about detours in life, whenever they come from our dreams, is that they're completely unplanned. It's often things that, decisions that we make. By unplanned, I mean like that unplanned pregnancy. That unplanned affair, that unplanned relapse. That unplanned investment that didn't pan out. Because you didn't guard or I didn't guard my heart. Because our hearts weren't guarded, yeah, we started having emotions for somebody else and one thing led to another and then... Hypothetically speaking, it's because we didn't think that one drink would really hurt us, but the reality is is it did. And we didn't plan to relapse, but we did. And we didn't plan, we didn't plan for our retirement to basically go to nothing. But whenever you take that kind of a hasty decision and make that kind of a hasty investment, sometimes that happens. And what do we do with that? Well, here's the thing. If you hold on to it and you try to figure it out yourself, the detour becomes destructive. Or that detour can become divine. And that is what 
Joseph is going to teach us in this. We wouldn't have noticed this in chapter 37. I doubt it was at the forefront of your mind, but if you were of a Jewish heritage, you probably would have noticed this. God is not mentioned. God is seemingly not active. God does not speak in Genesis chapter 37. And here is Joseph. He gets this dream, and the dream turns into a nightmare, and it doesn't seem like any of it's going to work out. And we know that silence, though, it doesn't always mean absence. And this Genesis 37 moment in which God is not doing anything seemingly, God is not active seemingly, God is not speaking seemingly, even though now we know that he was. And what you find is this common refrain throughout the book of, at the story of Joseph here on out, in which God was with him, God was with him, God was with him, God was with him, but here in Genesis 37, it's not there. And my point is this, is what are you gonna do with that Genesis 37 moment in your life? In which there's silence in which you're moving into that anxious moment, that unplanned thing, that unexpected thing. What are you going to do with that Genesis 37 moment in your life? What Joseph teaches us, and we're going to fast forward here to the end of the story in Genesis 50, okay? He teaches us how to reframe it. Because again, it's not going to be a destructive detour, it's going to be a divine detour. And then at the end of the story, all right? And and I'm going to tell you the end of the story because you already got the script. So in Genesis 50, Jacob dies. His brothers are worried. Joseph's brothers are worried that that Joseph is going to try to get even with them now. And Joseph is actually aware of this. So this is like one of those moments where you realize how much he has matured. And so he goes to them and he's going to resolve this tension with them. And this is what he says, and I'll read it to you. From Genesis chapter 50, verse 19 and 20, says this. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? I I know we went through the divorce. I know I went through the divorce, you might say. But am I in the place of God? I know there's a bankruptcy, and I know the business failed, and I know right now I'm in the hospital. I know you can fill in the blank. Am I in the place of God, he says to them. You intended to harm me. You have brought unimaginable pain into my life. But I can see now that this detour was actually the the path, the plan that God had for me all along. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And you and I have an option. We have a choice when it comes into those Genesis 37 moments of silence and pain and hurt and the dream seemingly falling apart. We have a choice in that moment. Are we gonna give it to the Lord and allow him? Because what you're really doing and what I'm doing is we're trusting in God's sovereignty. His sovereignty that he is the one that is preeminent. That he is the one that goes before all things. That he is the creator God who even knows the number of hairs on your head and my head. And no matter what it is that we may be dealing with and no matter what it is that we may be trying to sort through, it's okay because we have, a, we have a God who will take these detours and he'll do divine things with them that we can't even, we can't even imagine, we can't even fathom because he's the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the first, and the last. And so what do we learn about these detours? What do we learn from Joseph about these detours that God takes us on? The first is this, 
is that God uses detours to develop us. I mean, how was Joseph? He was selfish. He was egotistical. He was completely unaware of the way he interacted with people and the things that he was saying. He was incredibly prideful, but he had a lot of potential. And so how did it all get developed? How, how did God decide to deal with all that? Well, he ended up getting sold into slavery. I mean, if anything's gonna humble you, it's gonna be a set of chains and you walking miles and miles and miles to another country. I mean, that's gonna humble you. It's amazing what God does. Romans chapter five, verse three, tells us what he does with often with our pain, with our suffering, and how he develops us. He says this, we also glory in our sufferings, Paul writes, because we know that the sufferings produce perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And that hope, it does not put us to shame, as the text says, it does not disappoint. And so, it's amazing how much suffering. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday? And if you're here in the Denver metropolitan area, we'd love to have you attend one of our Sunday services at Valley View Christian Church. We have Sunday service times at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And we'd love to have you come and attend one of those services and be with us. And I, Pastor Philip Holland, would love to meet you in person. And also remember that the Hope for the Day broadcast is available on your favorite podcast provider. So we look forward to having you again with us on Hope for the Day.